Blog Talk Radio. Man, it was real cool in school if we got good grades. I trade up phase the parents were taking to a 76 game. I got my game and there ain't no shame. Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone. Julius Serva called Philly is home. Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking threes. Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly. But if you want to make it on time to the show, there's only one road that you really have to know. So get to Fishtown without all that job. I suggest that you drive on I-95. Want to get downtown but feeling in the fix. Get on that road they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate they ever made. The palace ain't famous, but they got the game. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin, a Metro of Philly, along with Philly.com's Michael Kasky Blumain. As always, you can add our podcast on the app Stitcher, and make sure to follow us on Twitter at 76ers Report. And, you know, once again, thanks for all the continued listeners here. It makes what we do worthwhile. And, Mike, you know, is it just me, or does it feel like the Sixers have been, you know, mailing it in the past couple couple of games here uh really going for you know that that lottery pick and um you know back to back just awful losses here at the hands of the Knicks and the Wizards they've quietly lost seven in a row now here uh do you think that they're just stuck at 18 wins now to end the season yeah it's looking that way Jeff I mean I feel like it's almost as though they just hit a wall at this point in the season you know they've been playing so hard against the odds for so long and, you know, with only a few games left and, like, another week left, it seems like they kind of just – they're maxed out. Like you said, they've kind of laid a couple eggs in the past game, past couple games against the Wizards and the Knicks. Uh, Wednesday at Washington, you know, the normal – the effort that you usually see from this team, it just wasn't even there. You know, I was um, – it just – it looked – it seemed that they were never even in it from early on. Like, you didn't – there wasn't that feeling that, you know, maybe they'll play hard and rally on in the second half. I think it's just honestly a combination of – you know, a lot of these young guys hitting the end of an 82-game season, they're not used to fatigue setting in. And, uh, you know, some injury issues, guys are getting banged up. Noel, um, P. Rob's been mm-hmm. out, Isaiah. So I think it's just a combination of those things. Um, something inside of me still thinks they're going to squeak out one more win this season and to tie um, <laughs> last last year's win total at 19. I don't think it's going to be tonight at Chicago, maybe Monday at home against uh, in Michael Carter-Williams' homecoming or their final um, game on Wednesday against the Heat. Maybe they'll pull one of those two out and tie, um, you know, tie last season's record. But there's definitely been a, you know, a drop-off in the quality of play over the last week or two, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm not super disappointed. Uh, out of the last three games, like you said, I think their best shot comes against, uh, you know, Michael Carter-Williams and the Bucks. But, you know, once again, it's pretty unlikely that that will happen. I mean, it's also kind of meaningless at this point to win anymore. Um, But it would have been nice to at least tie that record from last season. But, you know, there's also really nothing to gain but maybe a little pride if they did reach 19. And, um, you know, what would it mean for this current group of players, especially Nerland, to just, you know, tie that win total from last season? I think it would send a you know a, a solid message not just to the team but to the league at large. You know I, th- I feel like the Sixers took so much slack recently over the past year for 
you know, trading away quote-unquote veterans in the veteran presence in the locker room that could really help them win the game. But now after these two seasons, you take a step back and look, whether they finish with 18 or 19 this year, it's virtually the same, you know, identical record as last year when for, you know, over half of the season they had Thad, Evans, Spencer, and Lavoie, quote-unquote veterans suiting up for the team. I think it just sends a good message to the young players um, on the on the squad now and the league at large that, you know, with the right coaching and, the you know, the right attitude and combination of guys, you don't necessarily need established veterans in the locker room, um, you know, the, mm-hmm. the guys can kind of grow into leadership roles themselves as, you know, I think you kind of saw Mike doing that before he was traded and absolutely Noel um, since, since that trade and the trade deadline, he's developed more of a leadership mentality. You can see it both on the floor and in the locker room. So I think, uh, you know, like you said, nothing would really be gained from another win. You know, it's not necessary for the lottery or for obviously any playoff position or anything like that, but I, I think it would just be a nice a nice message for the team to say, you know, even without these veterans that we had last year and just with a team of young guys, we can still, you know, produce a similar season and it, it'll give them something to build on going forward into the off season with, uh, you know, some of the new blood they're going to be injecting this summer. Of course. And, uh, you know, it also seems like on the show uh, the past few weeks, uh, jinxing teams and players is, becoming kind of a trend, uh, you know, with the thunder kind of falling off a little bit. Um, you know, we expected that pick to kind of come over, but now, you know, after talking up Isaiah Cannon in the last show, uh, he's out for the rest of the season with the right foot sprain. Um, you know, how troubling is this news for Isaiah's future as a sixer? And is, is he in any worse position now to make the roster next season than he maybe was a week ago? I mean, missing these last few games definitely hurts him a little bit. It was, you know, kind of a last opportunity to make an impression on not just the Sixers, but, you know, the whole league. If if it doesn't work out here in Philly, another team that might be interested in taking a shot on him. Um, but at the same time, it's not – I don't think he was going to, you know, show anything over this last week on the court that he hasn't, you know, pretty much already demonstrated over mm-hmm. the past month or two in Philly. I think, I think everyone that's watched the Sixers closely enough since he's came over here from Houston has a pretty good idea – of his game and what it is he really brings to the court. And unfortunately for him, I mean, he's he's obviously shown that he has confidence and can be a knockdown shooter. I just don't know if he's shown enough other aspects to his game at this point to really, uh, you know, budge the team that, in the direction that they feel they would need to bring him back. I mean, they will obviously need shooting, especially once Joel gets back in the lineup and, you know, they want to space the floor and clear out the paint for him to work. But I, I just feel that, you know, I, I don't think Isaiah's really shown enough of an ability to to affect the game from other standpoints other than his shooting, you know, whether it be his ability to create for others or get to the basket or play defense. Um, you know, I just I feel like he really hasn't demonstrated enough that would make the team feel an allegiance to bring him back. Uh, what do you think about his status going forward? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's disappointing for him not to be able to finish out the season, you know, especially with how, how well he'd been playing recently. But, you know, I'm not sure it really influences the front office's decision, you know, to keep him around or not next year. This isn't like a Pierre Jackson torn Achilles type situation. Uh, you yeah. know, it's just a, a foot sprain. And, um, you know, I think if, if the front office truly wanted to keep him around next season, you know, they've seen enough footage of him and, you know, game tape to, you know, really make that decision up to this point. Um, but certainly, you know, you never want to end a season like that where you're in a shirt and tie on the bench. Uh, you know, no professional athlete wants that. But, uh, 
you know, I, I feel bad for Isaiah. I, I think that, you know, he would have liked to at least show that last bit of whatever it was to, you know, let the front office know that, you know, he wants to be a part of the team next season. But, you know, people seem to love our pick updates, Mike. And, uh, you know, it's just about as nerve-wracking as it can be right now um, in terms of the Thunder and Heat picks coming over. Uh, you know, I think I've officially thrown in the towel now for that Thunder pick. Um, you know, they're even with the Pelicans in the standings with three games left. And uh, the Wizards would have to lose at least two of their next three for that pick to come over. And, you know, as for the, the Heat pick, they sit in uh, the 10th position uh, with games against the Raptors, Magic, and Sixers coming up. And, you know, I feel like they would also need to win at least two of those, you know, next three to get that um, Sixers pick to transfer. Can Luck just once be on the Sixers' side here, Mike, and, uh, (laughs) you know, finally give us one of these picks we deserve or what? You would really hope so. I mean, it's kind of crazy at this point to think that out of four – well, three potential picks that could be coming over. The Sixers really might end up with none of them. You know, I never expected all four to transfer in one year, but it would. I think it would definitely be a, a slight blow to the rebuild to not even, you know, to only come away with our own lottery pick this year. But uh, I'm right there with you. I mean, this this last week has really gotten interesting as, as far as the, uh, you know, the picks coming over are concerned. And, uh, yeah, I'm with you. It's not looking great for the, uh, the Thunder pick. They just, I think a couple of weeks ago, you and I kind of both agreed that they would probably um, that that pick would probably end up coming over based off just how well the Thunder had been playing in the playoff push and uh, you know how well Russell Westbrook had been playing. They've kind of you know leveled back out recently, like you said there, even in the standings with the Pelicans. And uh, the same with the Heat that uh, that Wednesday game in Philadelphia against the Heat might end up you know having some implications <laughs> as far as the pick is concerned. Uh, be interesting to see if we see Sam Hinkie down on the sideline giving Brett Brown a little uh, <laughs> little sideways glance there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that Thunder pick's just not coming over at this point. And it's really interesting with that Heat pick. Um, it just seemed like it wasn't on anyone's radar for the past month as, you know, the potential of not coming over. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Heat are in that 10th slot right now and, um, you know, it's not looking really good with Paul George being back and everything like that. But, um, yeah, I think that Thunder pick's just too much to overcome for them. Um, that Heat pick, uh, it, it could come over if the Pacers were to lose at the end of the season. But, um, you know, like I said, with PG back, their odds are just, you know, pretty good right now to finish off the season strong. They actually do face uh, three tough teams in the Thunder Wizards and Grizzlies um, coming up. So um, <laughs> it'll be really interesting if uh, the Sixers season comes down to, you know, a tank for pick game, uh, you know, against the Heat <laughs> down at the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's going to be one of the greatest games, uh, you know, you have the possibility to see um, in the last few seasons. How great would that be, Mike, you know, that, that tank game on the horizon? <laughs> I think uh, it would probably be a pretty fitting way to end this, like, two-season rebuild process that we've been involved in right now, having a game where, you know, they're trying to win on the court, but most of the people in the stands are probably rooting for them to actually lose. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that 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 game will probably end up being important, like you said, because it could come down to really that game deciding if, if 
the pick would swing over or not. And, uh, you know, at, at that point, a win, I don't think a, a win for the Sixers record, like we were talking about earlier, to tie them with last season's record would be worth, you know, perhaps jeopardizing the chance of that heat pick coming over. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that'll that'll certainly be interesting on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, the Sixers have only had one nationally televised game this year. It was on NBA TV. Is that one good enough to, uh, you know, get the, the league office to put it on, um, you know, ESPN or something like that? <laughs> I doubt it. I think there was a league memo earlier <laughs> in the season that they weren't allowed to show uh, Sixers games on any of the national channels. <laughs> well, anyway, once again, this is the State of Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McMenamin alongside Michael Katsky-Blamain, and, uh, you know, moving on from the picks, it was announced that Dikembe Mutombo was elected into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, he was famously... <laughs> Mutombo! Uh, he was famously part of that 2001 Sixers team, which reached the NBA Finals, and uh, he was actually named Defensive Player of the Year that season and, you know, did a hell of a job replacing Theo Ratliff after he went down from injury. So, you know, Mike, what can you say about Dikembe's time spent with the Sixers? <laughs> to be honest, my biggest memory of his time with the Sixers isn't even necessarily a positive for Dikembe. I, I just remember <laughs> him I remember him getting his face smashed in with elbows from Shaq in those NBA finals. And I remember thinking I just remember thinking that like the size difference in weight between the two guys. I mean they're both seven feet tall, but especially in that series that Shaq was just like at the top of his powers in, you know, in his pre-peak prime right there. And he was just, just a monster. I remember watching Dikembe who was like you said, had won the defensive player of the year and had been able to stop virtually every center, you know, throughout the playoff run and then the regular season since the Sixers acquired him at the deadline. And he ran into Shaq and it was just, you know, he just <laughs> was getting, getting slaughtered. But, um, you know, uh, Dikembe, he's a guy that uh, back really fondly, he was only, with the Sixers for not even two full seasons. You know, he came over in the, at the deadline during the finals run and was there the following mm-hmm. season. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he was – I always remember him as the guy that was instrumental in helping that, you know, that team make that final push into the finals. Um, you know, with Ratliff down, they they kind of, they needed another, you know, an, an interior presence. And Dikembe was kind of the perfect fit for that team to play alongside Iverson. You know, he didn't need – he didn't need ball the shot, like, shots or the ball to create his own thing. He was just a defensive guy that would clean up the glass, get rebounds, set screens. I mean, he was literally like the perfect type of defensive center for, you know, the, the Allen Iverson-based team then. Um, and it's he's kind of a guy that you don't really associate with one particular team when you're looking back on his career. You know, he spent his early years with the Nuggets. You remember him falling to mm-hmm. the floor when the Nuggets won that series. And then, uh, you know, mid-90s, you associate him with the Hawks and, the you know, those Dominique teams and everything, and then the Sixers. And then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after that, he I don't even remember. I remember him being with the Nets, and I think the, he ended his career with the Rockets. The Rockets, just, I think, yeah. yeah. He was just one of those guys that everywhere he went, uh, you know, he was productive and he contributed to the team, um, you know, done more than he did here in Philly to help us get to the finals for the first time since, you know, the 83 team. So in my mind, as a Sixers fan, he'll always be remembered fondly. And I'm, uh, you know, happy for him that he was elected into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you got to love him as just a personality guy, too, from uh, the finger wag to who wants the six Matambo. Uh, you know, he was just a, a great character. Um, 
I actually have one Matumba story that I thought was pretty funny. Um, one of my first jobs, I worked at CVS in Bryn Mawr as a cashier, and I believe it was the year after the Sixers made the NBA Finals, so I was in ninth grade, I think, then. And, you know, wouldn't you know it, in walks Matumbo. And, uh, you know, a guy like that is just obviously hard not to notice. So, you know, everyone I was working with at the time, including my managers, were just, like, baffled by, you know, the size and stature of this guy. But I, I, I was the only one, you know, in the store that knew who he actually was for some reason. Uh, you you feel like a guy that tall and seemingly that popular with that finals run would be noticed by anyone. But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, I I think I was the one that, you know, initially approached him and just, uh, you know, I was thinking whether or not to get a picture with him. Um, but he actually went up to me and was like, excuse me, sir. Can you please direct me to the deodorant department, please? (laughs) I was just trying my hardest not to bust out laughing in his face. Um, But, you know, I I showed him where it was, and uh, you realize just how hard it must be for guys like that, you know, how tall they are, just doing everything days like that without getting, you know, swarmed by people um, who want pictures with them. But, you know, are there any maybe funny Dikembe stories over the years that you, you know, remember or think of? Um, I don't have a Dikembe story particularly, but that story you just told me reminds me of a great Sam Ballamare story that I have that I'm going to share really quick. Uh, (laughs) For those those who don't know, I live in, I live in Maniunk, uh, right outside of Philadelphia. And during his time with the Sixers, Sam also lived um, in Maniunk. He lived in an apartment complex on Main Street and he was seen uh he was seen around Main Street a lot, you know, he would frequent the bars and restaurants sometimes. But one particular <laughs> time I was at uh the C V S on Main Street, which was literally like right next to his apartment complex. And I'm standing there toward the back, I think I was getting like a drink or something, and I heard a the voice of like someone working there being like, Excuse me, sir, you can't do that, excuse me. So I look up, <laughs> Sammy Downbear is in C V S walking around smoking a cigar. <laughs> he's walking around the store having like a fat cigar and he's, the the manager comes up to him and is like, oh, I'm sorry, sir, you can't do that in here. <laughs> and Sam just looks at him, drops it on the floor and walks out of the store. I thought it was like the funniest thing. <laughs> and yeah, that, that I mean, stick to me with uh, Dallander. Dallander was just a legend. Um, he, you know, <laughs> when when it comes to Dikembe, he's like a guy you remember and respect. Samuel yeah. Dallander is just... <laughs> One of the most hilarious guys I think the Sixers have had. Um, You know, obviously he was a a very good, um, you know, person in the league. I I think he got the, uh, um, like, the biggest charity award or something the one season with everything that happened in Haiti. But, uh, you know, outside of that one season, he was just such a goofball on and off the court. But, uh you know, uh, on the topic of big men, uh, you know, can you believe that Nerlens has played in, you know, 75 games this season? Um, you know, he's expected to miss the next game with a sprained ankle tonight against the Bulls. Um, but how amazing has his durability been this season to you, especially coming off the ACL tear and just, you know, with everything people said about him before the season? 
Uh, that was a nice transition, by the way, from our stories of Dallin Bear and um, Tumbo over to talking about Noel and the big guys, by the way. But, oh, thank um, you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, honestly, to me, the uh, for Noel, the, the most impressive statistic this season has been that game's played category. I mean, blocks, steals, he's better on the offensive end already than I expected. But, uh, you know, prior to the season, if you had told me that Noel was going to play, you know, over upward this over 70 games for the team and be their leading, you know, one of the leading minutes per game player on the team, I would be, I would have been ecstatic. Um, I think everyone around the organization is, is very impressed and happy with his progress. Um, even with this new, you know, this new ankle injury, even if it, if it keeps him out for the rest of the season, you know, I, I don't see any, any reason to necessarily rush him back for the last three games. But uh, yeah. it's also important to note too, you know, none of the games he's missed. I think you like said four or five games on the season, but none of the uh, none of the games he's missed have been a direct result of that ACL injury from last year, which is another mm-hmm. thing that's huge. You know, like the, he missed time with the uh, the back and the ankle and stuff, but none of it has been you know residual effects from the surgery or the injury he sustained at Kentucky, which I think that's you know that's huge. Um, yeah, I don't want to jinx it, like you said, we've become good at doing that on this show, but. You know, it seems that that, that injury issue is all, all but in the past now, and he's developing into, you know, an extremely durable um, player on the court. Yeah, I mean, uh, that says a lot about the strength and condi- conditioning coaches for the Sixers especially. Um, you know, recovering yeah. from an ACL tear the way he did isn't easy. Um, you just you look at Derek Rose and Brandon Roy in the past, and, um, you know, they're much, much smaller than Nerland, so – you know, I give all the credit to them in general with all the players on this team. I think they've done a really good job this season and, you know, really kept the fitness level up for the players while limiting, you know, the amount of injuries. So um, they might be the real MVPs of this season outside of Brett Brown, of course. But, um, <laughs> you, you know, now, yeah, Brett Brown's a real MVP. I mean, let, let's be serious. Um, he just, you know, is incredible as a coach. And I think everyone – uh, especially the media with all the quotes he, he gives us on a daily business is, um, you know, happy to have him um, at the helm. But, uh, you know, now that the season's coming to a close, uh, Sixers management is going to have to decide how to deal with, you know, Joel Embiid in the off season. Do you see Joel suiting up for the Sixers in summer league at all? Or, you know, is he a guy you rest until more meaningful games? Maybe like you know in the preseason or you know just up to the start of the season. Yeah, you know Jeff, honestly, I fully expected Joel to be a participant at least to some extent in uh you know in summer league this year, just as Noel was last year. I think um, mm-hmm. you know some people, not you and I included, but some people expected to see him out on the court for the Sixers this season and during the regular season, um, which is obviously you know it's something that you and I didn't expect and a lot of the media members didn't expect to see happen, especially based off of, you know, the timetable that they used for Netherlands last year. We expected it to be a similar one. But with that being said, I mean, the, uh, you know, the original recovery time is coming. It's already passed. Um, he's been ramping up his pregame workouts a little bit. He was moved up to, um, you know, two-on-two drills earlier in the week, um, mm-hmm. you know, moving up toward toward five-on-fives. He has to go through the steps. But, I mean, not that not that Summer League would be so, uh, you know, huge for his growth as a player, but I think I do think if he's good and ready to go that he should see some time out in there because I think one of the biggest issues he'll face when trying to come back, you know, into the 
you know, NBA-style game. It'll be conditioning. I mean, he's he's been sidelined for over a year now after just, you know, one season in college where he missed, you know, some significant time. And he's only been playing ball for a few years before that. You know, I feel like getting used to getting accustomed to the NBA style of play and the pace, the pace of a full 48-minute game, 82-game season, you know, I feel like that can wear and tear on him. And I, I just think that Summer League, like it did for Noel last year, he didn't necessarily play a ton or blow everyone out of the water or anything like that. But I think it was an important experience for him to kind of get his feet wet, get his, uh, you know, get his legs underneath him and kind of get, a, get him accustomed to what he would be in store for before he actually got thrown into the fire against, you know, real teams and players in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, and for our job, uh, you know, that would be so exciting to have Joel out there in, in Summer League. Uh, you know, I, I felt like even this past Summer League, it was the most interest I've ever seen uh, for the Sixers, um, you know, in, in that competition. And to have, you know, one of the most widely known, um, you know, players in his draft class finally suiting up and, you know, the excitement level there. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what it's going to be like when he finally does suit up. Um, but, yeah, I think he should definitely play in summer league like Nerlens did, um, you know, even just to get his, his feet wet against some of, you know, maybe not the strongest competition, but, you know, at least some NBA-level talent there in summer league. And, um, you know, it, it would be good for him with, the conditioning and um, just kind of seeing how he might be able to work into the offense with uh, Nerlens Noel. Um, but, you know, that also begs the question, is Nerlens a guy that, you know, has he proved enough to maybe be able to sit out summer league this summer? Uh, to me, yes, he has. Uh, the only reason I would even want, want to see him out there, honestly, is what you just alluded to was if, um, Joel was also out there, you know, it would be unbelievably exciting for Summer League, you know, which is not something that you usually get super excited about, but to see those two guys for the first time working on the floor together just to get, you know, just to get the slightest, earliest feel and idea of what it would look like to have Noel and Embiid out on the court at the same time. But, um, you know, aside from that, Noel, to me, he doesn't need to prove anything else in Summer League. I'd rather even see him spend the time just working on his body and specific parts of the game, you know, maybe getting on a, you know, a strength regimen, working on his footwork and some post moves with, you know, the coaches and, and things like that, continuing the private work that he does with coach up um, and things like that. I, I, I don't think there's really any benefit to having him out on the floor for the summer league at this point after, you know, the, like we were just talking about how much he played this season and how impressed we were with it. I don't, I don't think there's any reason to get him out there to the summer league to play more games. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think Nerlens needs to focus on getting on uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's uh, eating plan this summer. (laughs) (laughs) All all that 500 pounds of cod or whatever it is he eats, um, you know, on a yearly basis. I think that Nerlens just needs to bulk up. Uh, That's that's number one this summer. And everything after that is, uh, you know, an afterthought. If you got some playing time, maybe in like one or two games in summer league, just to see how he might work out with uh, Embiid, um, yeah, you know, go for it. But, you know, there's really no investment in playing him at this point. I mean, the risk of injury is always high in the NBA, so you want to limit that as much as possible. And, um, you know, he'll be good to go in preseason. And I have no doubt in my mind that, um, 
you know, at, at some point before the season, they're going to get some extensive work together. Um, but yeah, do you, do you think that, you know, bulking up is probably number one for Noel's, uh, you know, future at this point? Yeah, I do. Not not to like a crazy degree. I don't want to see him coming out looking like 2005 Ben Wallace or anything. I think or Jay, adding, Jay Rich, know, right? A couple of seasons ago. Oh, yeah, two thousand four. Yeah, I think you know his something that's so unique about his play and style for his size is his his foot speed and his hand speed and his athleticism. Um, you know, his ability to jump out in passing lanes and, you know, switch on to smaller guys and force steals and generate fast breaks and stuff like that. It's, it's really uncommon for a guy of his size. And I think, you know, some of that is due to the fact that he's not, you know, pushing 250 pounds and, you know, his his kind of light athletic ability helps him. But with that being said, he his upper body, he should work on it, you know, need to bulk up a little bit, 10, 15 pounds, just in order to, you know, better handle some of the wear and tear and the big body banging that'll come around, you know, on a yearly basis, hanging around with some of the bigger guys in the league. So I I do think it's a priority for him to bulk up, but I don't think it's, a, you know, an endless bulk up. I think that he, it should be hand in hand with his training in, in a way that makes him not lose a step or not lose any of that quickness, but just add a little bit more upper body strength, you know? Of course. Um I agree a hundred percent. You know, you don't want him bulking up too much to the point where people are freaking out like they did with Embiid, you know, earlier this season. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it would be good to, you know, at least get some more uh, defined muscle on that upper frame. And you know, he he does have some some pretty skinny legs. So if he you know, got in the weight room, did some squats, stuff like that, that'd be good for him. Um, but, you know, yeah, once again, this was, you know, the State of the Independence podcast. I'm your host, Jeff McManaman, alongside Michael Caskey, Blumane. And, uh, you know, as always, follow us on the app Stitcher um, or on Twitter at 76ers Report. And uh, we'll catch you next week with uh, some more Sixers topics hopefully with two picks coming over um, in the draft. And uh, that's it for myself and Mike. Have a great rest of the weekend, and, uh, you know, go Sixers. Thanks, Jeff. Have a good weekend, everybody. Yep. Man, it was real cool in school If we got good grades, let's trade up A's The parents would take us to a 76 game I got my game and there ain't no shame Big shots of Mo Cheeks and Moses Malone Julius Serva called Philly is home Bobby Jones, Daryl Dawkins, and Tony sinking threes Rocky Bobo will come from South Philly But if you want to make it on time to the show There's only one road that you really have to know So get to Fishtown without all that job I suggest that you drive on I-95 Wanna get downtown but feeling the fix Get on that road, they call 676, the most expensive, expensive piece of interstate they ever made. The fellas ain't famous, but they got good game. Get it on, get it on, 76ers. Travel finally, this Larry Bird. Get it on.